0: From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. In the bear with a in mind never the sight.
1: snakes a place you was dignified. I don't live like this, but I don't wanna die. It's Tuesday,
2: November 26, 2019. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee here in Nashville, Tennessee. Over there in Orlando, Florida, keeping an eye on things, making sure we don't get too far off base, that we don't get too blue, that we don't that we don't offend the PC police. We got our producer, okay. Chandler String. Right. Hey. Uh, Out there in Loveland, Virginia uh, uh, We're always happy to welcome Especially on this festive time of year The holidays Please welcome back our friend Jesse Carey to the podcast Hello,
0: hello, hello, hello
2: Uh, And joining us today Oh man, this is going to be a fun one We've been trying to get this guy to join us for a while Glad this finally worked out Please to welcome Derek Miner to the podcast
3: Hey Derek What up, dog? what Uh, up, dog? How's it going, man? Man, it's going great it's going great? Beautiful time to be alive, baby. That's right. Derek,
0: where where are regionally are you calling us from this morning? I know you're a busy guy. The holidays are here. You got a lot going on. Where where are you located at the moment?
3: Oh, I'm at the crib. We're in Nashville, baby. Oh, that's right. I like it, man. Nash, yes, Nashville. Sir. That's
0: where that's where Huckabee is too. Are mm-hmm, do you are you traveling fair. uh for, for Thanksgiving at all? Or do you hang do you hang there in Nashville?
3: Nah, man, so like when my second son was born, my uh, mother and mother-in-law were fighting over what holidays we gonna spend where, and I just was like, just "Forget it. We're spending <laughs> a holiday at my house, and everybody so wants just, to come." You just come. on the
0: whole thing and say we're we're just hanging home.
3: Yeah, I'm like I'm like nah. It's, I'm not doing all that. I'm not packing my kids up. Like my mom lives in Ohio, so that's an eight-hour trip, and I just was like, "Nope, time to." establish our own um, our own traditions which has been good because you know it's been cool like and, but I just wasn't to do all that argument it,
0: dude. That takes some courage to look to look the the not just the family but the in laws and say, "Listen, we're doing th- we're doing our own thing. New tradition, start now." Like you can tell them, they can come to you. I like that. I, I'm gonna I might have to use that uh, uh, sometime. <laughs> like, yeah, listen, we're all about celebrating. Well, you guys come to us. You know, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Adam. Hey man, <laughs> that,
3: that's the reason why my raps are so fierce. Like. If I could take on my mom and my mother-in-law, I do really <laughs> care what the <laughs>
0: there, There's no issue. You can't stare down if you can take
2: them on <laughs> nah, the holidays.
3: not
2: nah, 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 nah. <laughs> um, you're going to be joining us for the whole show today. We're also going to be talking a little later on uh, to Calvin Harrison Jr. He's the star of the new critically acclaimed film from A24 called Waves. Had a really good chat with him. Uh, before we do that, before we get on, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to be going to talk about holidays a little bit uh we got more we're, we're going to we got we got some slices that we're gonna cover but i really Derek, i want to talk to you about the new album uh that you you've got nothing but a word um c- first of all congratulations on that i know it's a big i know it takes a lot of work so Kill congratulations album, on getting that it's really really good um can you talk a little bit about like where where did this album come from just just even just sonically just the sound what were your inspirations oh man
3: i told prop uh so prop Prop was in Nashville. He had like, a, he was, you know, how tours are some days. uh, You got to, you know, stay in a certain place for a long time. So he had a little break in Nashville for like three days. So he was like, yo, let's make some music. Let's kick it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, pull up on me. So he came over and we kind of worked on like, I think like one or two records. Um, And then he was like, yo, this is, this is nuts because my workflow is pretty fast. So, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to do a, a project with Prop. Honestly, I, as a producer, like there's tons of artists that I like. I, I always have felt like, man, if if I had my hands in their creative process, I could I could make something cool. So with Prop, <clears throat> I want to go like vintage, vintage L.A. Like so, yeah. mm-hmm. but like Backpacker L.A. So like people under the stairs or or like, uh, just like you know, and just like the. Backpack LA that nobody really talks about. So I wanted to mix that with Tame and Pollen. Uh, mm, oh, Cause I oh, just like Tame I like and that. Pollen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's really kind of where we went. So if you notice, like when you hear dope, there's all these like scents that are real wobbly and all of that, and, it's, and that's all on purpose. Like I wanted to craft this texture because like when I think of prop, I think vintage, yeah. classic. <laughs> Timeless uh, artist MC, so I kind of wanted to craft that kind of sound for him on this tape, and and that's what we went with. <laughs> the
0: the there's a guitar solo. I think it's in the song comments. That it's just like. Yeah such a cool like sort of juxtaposition with like the beat who who's the who's shredding that guitar on the background of that song Adam
3: Adam mcphail does all my guitar work so okay uh I, i've been doing i've been working on adam for probably two three years now so adam every guitar on every project you've heard probably since I think uh probably probably for about the last three years has been him so oh, yeah he's he's a beast man he's he's the kid was playing with BB King when he was eight years old. Like he has oh, his picture playing <laughs> Yeah, like BB King at eight. And I'm like, Yeah, I see why you got charge. Yeah, well,
0: I mean that guitar so it sounds so effortless in the background. You know, I say in the background, but like it's sort of like this complimentary kind of thread through the song. And it's 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 such like a smooth sound to the song.
3: Yeah, he's, uh Adam's like a missile, man. I, I I get we get in the studio and I kind of just tell him where I'm going. So I'll give him vibes, like so. I'm trying to remember what record. I think it was Overjoyed on the record. Um, I told him I want Santana. I said mm. I want I want Santana and Quentin Tarantino, oh.
4: and he just <laughs> goes off. He
3: just just goes whatever direction I send him, and uh, yeah. and usually only takes like what I'll do with him. He never really misses, so I'll just get like two or three takes that I like, and then I'll comp and put them all together. Uh, but yeah, Adam is is he's he's a I know that my friends are the best musicians in Nashville. So I'm blessed to be able to have uh, just so many dope access to so many dope musicians.
0: It, the the album has so many, you know, other incredible collaborations. I mean, Liz Vice is on there, Aaron Cole. I mean, I, I was wondering, Derek, like, what, do you have like your dream list or, like your blue sky list of these are the artists, that are kind of your Mount Rushmore of who who you'd want to collaborate with one day.
3: Uh, not really, man. Like I just if and, and this might sound really really cocky, but I feel like my friends are the best in the business. So yeah. like, like, I get to collaborate with all the producers. I'm collaborating with now are the ones I enjoy collaborating with. With one caveat, I mean, besides the legends, I mean, if you put me in a studio, like if you were to ask me if I if I had like any time, any chance in the world, it probably would be Kanye, uh, Dr. Dre, um, Just Blaze, um, and I would just want to sit down with Quincy Jones and just ask mm, him, oh, yeah. "How, how did you become a genius? <laughs> did you, when did you know? You know what I yeah. mean?" But yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah. Uh, and and then as far as writers like Ryan Tedder, big fan of Ryan Tedder. Uh-huh, um, yeah. uh I love to sit down with just the guys from Tam and Paula and just yeah. see what drugs they smoke before they make <laughs> clearly endorsed drugs. So I just I, wanted to see what that looks like.
0: I, <laughs> hey listen, I know the answer. It's cotton candy vape juice. And I, I don't know. know I, I don't know, know how they do it. Juice, I don't know. I don't know how it, like, it man, like, There's
3: no way you're making this music sober. i it's, it's obviously no way. But uh I I'm a big fan of uh big fan of them. Um but I, I, like, if we have being honest, man, Like my the people I work with now, I feel like they're the most talented people in the yeah, world. Yeah. So that's why I yeah. like working with them. Oh, last person. So the sample and dope. Originally, there was a beat uh, of the song Dope. Originally, it was a different type of beat. It wasn't the same uh, beat. And I was listening to it. I felt like I could do better. So I found this sample with this girl singer, And I think her name is Audrey Pound. And I okay. reached out to her on um, on Instagram. And it was crazy. I had to do a bunch of digging to find out because she's part of this band called Leisure Center. And then I started looking. I'm like, this is just a white girl from Australia. And she has the most soulful vocals I've ever heard. So I, she's definitely on my wish list. You are going to get a Derek Minor, Audrey Pound song mm-hmm. for the year, before I, for 2020 ends. I have to find her and do a song with her.
2: I think we've even talked to her. I feel like she's been in the magazine before. If I remember, it might've been a little while, but I remember coming across her the same way and saying, we need to highlight this girl's work. Cause cause she, cause her she's voice, amazing. her creativity is it's, it's next level.
3: Yeah. She's on another level. I've never, like she, she sings and she plays the trumpet. Like, uh-huh. and I'm just like, you playing with the Teske brothers. Like what the heck? It's like, yeah. you're just a genius. So I, I uh, we've been communicating on Instagram a little bit, and she said next time she's in Nashville, she's gonna look me up. So oh, cool. We're to do some. We're gonna do some music. That's cool. gonna happen.
0: D- Derek, you mentioned uh, on your you know kind of dream collaboration list would be Kanye. What what's your real quick? I know everyone's got a take about Jesus is King, but what did you think of it as just as just kind of an album? Not you know kind of the the career and and views and you know place that Kanye occupies in culture aside. What did you think of Jesus is King as like an album?
3: I thought it was cool. I thought it was uh, what I would expect from a person who. It's making faith-based music and they've never yeah. made it before yeah so it's probably not an album i would particularly make in the sense that um you know not even the idea of just you know jesus for lyrics are bad i I, th- I love albums like that and i think it's a great album if you're trying to worship but i think just for me i'm such an artist that like for me, I I feel like he just needs a little bit more meat on his bones as far yeah. as just as a as a artist. And that's gonna happen. I think I could see the h I could see him abandoning everything uh musically, not musically, but content-wise lyrically, mm-hmm. abandoning all of that because you wanna make the space holy. So I feel like as he begins to experience more life through the new worldview that he has what's going to happen is it's going to be more complex. Like like I was telling a friend, I was like, I love the fact that every, every song is like really Jesus for it. That's dope. Like for me, I always want to know, so how does that impact your decision making? Mm. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I would love to hear a song about how does him loving Jesus impact his relationship with Kim and his kids and mm-hmm. the celebrity and managing that. Like, I, I, you know, I, I love songs, like I said, worship songs, but I also I want to hear what gets me is when someone tells me how it practically plays out in their life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: And that's kind of what I felt is was missing a little bit from the lyrics. But I also understand it because this is his first faith based project and he's just trying to figure it out. And he's super passionate about what the Lord has done in his life. So I applaud that. Uh, but just for me, I'm always looking for the practical application. That's any album. Usually. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. And it, it's almost like it's almost, you know, I, I hate the term, but like the idea of like the baby Christian sort of like they're just so excited about what they've discovered th- that their views are relatively uncomplicated and not overly nuanced. But I could see, I could see the next project, you know, hopefully kind of evolving, like you were saying, to that kind of deeper spiritual territory.
3: Or maybe it won't, you know, like, I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like the type of music that I like is, is like this upper echelon, like you have to beat it at, like I, if he makes the music he's made now for the next five years and everything is super Jesus forward, there's a space for that. And, and, yeah. and you know, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, we're having conversations about it now Mm -hmm. because of what he did on Jesus is King. So I definitely think it's dope. Um, I just know for me, what motivates me, only music that I listen to that's like, like seriously like that, is really like Fred Hammond from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I go back and that's my worship music. Like that's what I worship to is like old school gospel. Um, so I, I see what Jesus is King. That was kind of his thing is like, I'm going to do this gospel album, uh, that is almost intended to be this worship album. That's cool for, for young people. And I'm like, if he, if, if he goes that stays on that lane, that's cool. I just know as far as yay, I just want to know more the practical, like how is that affecting him? And, you know he may tell that story he may not tell that story i don't know you know yeah but yeah i just know for me like i i, I want to hear the practical stuff that's always gonna be me yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah that's uh we're gonna take a, a quick break and we're actually gonna listen to uh, one of the songs we'll clip of the, some of the songs from uh, from the album uh, when we come back we're gonna get into slices I'm
1: struggling workaholic can't call it can't call i sick can't stop it, need a four cups of coffee to accomplish this I stay talking to prove points, man, I ain't listening I build humble beasts, but my pride still be kicking in I stay tripping, I blame others for my predicaments I cut corners and judge friends for not checking in. I preach grace and pick and choose who still lives in sin. I sneak distant dismissed like I'm just kidding. A grown man with two kids still trying to fit in. I still long to be long, that's why I'm tripping I insecure, fake pure, I ain't repenting. My red couch is full of doubt and confusion. You're listening
2: to yeah. Contradiction, Contradiction by our guest today, Derek Minor, and Propaganda's there too, and all featuring Aaron Cole as well. Oh, and at the beginning. Of the podcast you heard harmony hall by vampire weekend uh, now it's time for our uh, our weekly look back at some of the stories that caught our eye this week that we want to bring to your attention it's time for
0: slices
2: jesse what do you got
0: all right, I have I have two news stories that I'm interested in both of your guys' opinions on. for i I'll start with one that's a little uh meatier, and then we'll work into <laughs> one that's just <laughs> they're so both bizarre. Meatier. They're the, both yeah. don't don't sell it short. <laughs> yeah, I won't. Okay, so this one comes from Pew, and they've released the findings of a new study that found, and this is from the, their research, nearly two thirds of Americans in the new survey say churches and other houses of worship should keep out of political matters. Well, 36% say they should express their views on day-to-day social and political questions. Now, three-quarters of the public express the view that churches should not come out in favor of one political candidate during elections. Obviously that is in contrast by the efforts from the current administrations to roll back, uh, these, you know, the Johnson amendment, the which Johnson prohibits, amendment, yeah. yeah, which prohibits churches, uh, from endorsing political candidates, uh, and they, they can risk losing their tax exempt status. However, interestingly, despite, these views that churches should stay out of political matters uh, more and more Americans actually have a, a reasonably favorable view of churches place in society. U S adults have a favorable view of the role of religious institutions uh, that they play in American life more broadly beyond politics. This is from the study. More than half of the public believes that churches and religious organizations do more good than harm. And just one in five say that organizations do more harm than good. So overall, people are have a favorable view of what churches bring to society. But most Americans, according to the study, say that American churches should stay out of politics. Uh, Derek and Tyler, I'm interested. What are your reactions to these studies both in terms of the overall view of the church being positive, which seems like overall a good thing, but also what's your take on Americans thinking that churches should probably stay out of politics? Uh, <laughs> Derek, you want to, I'll let you handle that one.
3: Oh, <laughs> man, all right, um, that's a loaded, that, that joint is loaded, loaded. Uh, yeah, uh, it's kind uh, of a double-edged <laughs> coin there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it, yeah. Um, so I think the problem is, in America, we have this false pretense that church and state is separated. Hmm. Um, it's not separated in the it's, it is separated in the sense of legally, but the problem is you can't you can't uh, can't legislate a mindset. So like I can't legislate racism. I can't be like all I want to. I can legislate the consequences of you being found in that, but the scale is always moving and and all those different things. Uh, so I think the same thing with religion the idea of church and state being fully separated is uh I think it's just wishful thinking at best so when you see these people that are like yeah we love the church but at the same time like don't get into politics it's like it's impossible for the church's mm-hmm. philosophy to not leak into politics it's just not yeah. going to happen um, so I think that kind of leaves us at this place where we're at. Uh, I don't have an issue with churches telling their uh, their political feelings and whatever. I do have an issue. Well, I'll put it this way: I have an issue with a leader doing that. I have an issue with a leader convincing their congregation that if they don't line up with them politically, that they're in sin. That's my issue. Yeah, like so. Mm -hmm. You can say, "Hey, I personally." You, could, if you want to say I personally support Donald Trump, I think this is the best use of my vote. That's totally fine, um, and you could tell them why. When you begin to say that, you know, if you don't support this person, then you, then you are in sin or whatever. Then that's when you get into the blasphemous. Yeah. Like for me, I'm like that's straight blasphemous. Like that's yeah. using your platform in a in an evil way. Uh and that's my big that's my issue with yeah. it. So, unfortunately though, because pastors are such they they're seen with such high regard, uh, that's almost impossible for you to vote against your pastor. Usually <laughs> most yeah. people are like, Man, my pastor knows everything. So if yeah. he's voting for uh Hillary Clinton, then I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it's yeah. like we have this yeah. whole limiting perspective. I just want people to think for themselves. You know what I mean? I think if pastors talk to a congregation to think for themselves, but that's dangerous for them because then, they, you know, people might leave if they don't like what they say. Yeah.
2: I think there's an idea that, uh, that people that we have here in America, and particularly that religious groups have, which is, which really, is, like you said, kind of alluded, alluded to Derek, politics is over here. And then there's everything, there's the rest of life. And, and I wish people would stay out of politics and uh, and just the but I think that politics is kind of everywhere. Like, like uh, police wearing body cams is that a political issue? Well. Kind of because you have to vote for it, but it's also a matter for uh, for a lot of people in this country it's a matter of life or death this is a, this is a moral issue right. it's a social issue, it's a safety issue, same with things like immigration uh same with things like uh, like the wall like yeah, that's political in the sense that our tax dollars go for it, but it's also spiritual in the sense that this is there's biblical commands about how we treat immigrants. so the idea that you can't be involved that we should, churches should stay out of politics is just wishful thinking.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, we've politicized issues that are just straight up biblical issues. I mean, like God calls us to care for creation. Now, that issue has, you know, been appropriated by political parties for, you know, to kind of rally their bases. But you could say that for a lot of issues, like you said, like caring for, for uh, you know, refugees and immigrants. We've a lot of like just core biblical issues has been politicized. So it's hard for the church to stay out of them because you know they are scriptural. The other, the other element I did think was interesting is that Americans overall seeing churches as like a positive force for society. I think that's, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised by the results of that, but pleasantly. And it reminded me, you know, we recently spoke with uh, Malcolm Gladwell, the author in the new issue of Relevant, and he kind of had a similar take. This is a quote from the, our interview with him. He said, if you remove Sunday ritual, where you were reminded of how much you had in common and all you're left with is Monday through Friday where you don't have much in common. It's a problem, right? There's something incredibly powerfully socially important about bringing people together on a regular basis, reminding them that they all have a part of a community. So I, th- you know, it's interesting there that that view of the church being a true third place, you know, we have the home, we have the workplace And a lot of people don't have a third place. Maybe it's like a coffee shop or a bar or someplace they hang out. But to reposition or to have the church positioned as a third place as sort of this wholesome gathering of community, you know, the the spiritual benefits aside, I think it is, I think at least more Americans seem to be recognizing the important place that church can have Mm -hmm. in society in general.
3: Well, I think, I also think that the problem with a lot of, A lot of us, which I'm saying like, like adult, young adult Christians who grew up in purity culture and uh, youth group and all of that, a lot of us share a similar uh, story in the sense of just being jaded. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) The, our friends mm-hmm. that are around us are jaded as well. So we can think that the whole world has this jaded perspective on the church. Yeah. And I, I, I think that we have to be careful of that. Uh, You know, a lot of people still, like I, I think we have to be careful. I know a lot of my friends are, are right now reconstructing and deconstructing their faith, and different things like that, and they're trying to figure it out. But for a lot of people, the church serves its purpose, which is really, a, 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 a social community that they can go and hear inspiring things from the Bible. You know, that it, it feels that yeah. now, whether that's the church or not, or whatever, that's a whole different conversation, whether that's how it's supposed to look. But that's what for a lot of people, they go Sunday, hear some dope worship, listen to their pastor for 45 minutes, talk about, uh, you know, Talk about you know what Jesus did for you, and 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 then they get to go home and spend time with family, watch the game. So, and I think for a lot of people, that serves the point for what they wanted to serve. Um, yeah. I think for better or for worse, they sometimes, especially when you're even in the business of Christianity, Christian music or whatever, we can get jaded and think that the rest of the world doesn't have that that hopefulness, and, and they still do. And I also wanted to bring up another thing, too. Like, I get frustrated with the term. People always use this for me for some reason. And they're like, yo, social justice. Like, we're talking about, like, splitting politics and religion. And, there's yeah. a, re- you know, within evangelical circles, there's this term called social justice. And it really trips me out because I'm like, well, justice is justice. You know, and right. I think we agree. They would say, well, justice is justice. I'm like, well, right. Well, make sure that you include justice for everyone in your idea of justice. And it's just like, that was a good example of how we try to make something like you try to make something not political or or it's like solely political. Like people will say that my music is just political music. It's like, no, my music is me reading the Bible and saying, yo, these things are wrong. And then people have put certain stuff into categories and say, oh, well he's a social justice warrior or whatever. I'm like, you created that name because you don't want to deal with the issues that are at hand. Mm, You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And and even how people throw that around as sort of like almost this like, you know, accusation or insult when, if you look at, I feel like if you just like look at it outside the context of how that term has been like weaponized, it's like, that should be, if you just look at the meaning of the words, like a social justice warrior, it, it should be like a badge of honor to be like, yeah, I fight for people's justice, but it's like, even that, even fighting for basic biblical principles, a lot of times has become like politicized in a, in a bad way. Is that, has that been your experience, Eric?
3: Yeah, it's a huge, it's huge. It's like, like literally my, I've, I've literally written, I've written, written countless songs but, you know, some of the songs that got me in the most trouble were songs that I said, hey, you guys shouldn't shoot black people. And people are yeah. like, oh, he's a social justice warrior. Uh, now." I'm like, no, I'm just black and yeah. I don't want to get killed yeah. for reaching for my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not, you know, that we live that in seems a country. Pretty that's that pretty apolitical at that point. <laughs> that's not political at all. Like, that's just basic uh, uh, yeah. self-preservation. In a, in a country that says that we have the right to, uh, you know what I'm saying, to, to uh, have the pursuit of happiness, man. Like, I can't be happy if when I reach for my wallet, I feel like I'm gonna get shot. Like, yeah. they ain't nothing happy about that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the idea that me saying that puts me in this category for for some evangelicals, I think it's like puts me in the category of some sort of fringe, uh, whatever. Yeah. I don't know what they would call me. I guess some some sort of caricature or some sort of whatever. Like to me, that sh- that shows more their uh, their lack of understanding of the Bible than it does yeah. mine. You know, because yeah. I mean, Yeshua literally died on the cross to reconcile all men to himself, and to you know. So it's just it's just a trip, you yeah? yeah. Like some of the stuff is just wild. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy times in terms of how polarizing even seemingly reasonable things can be made. But I want to I want to pivot to another story I saw this week that uh, <laughs> it's a little change of pace. But uh, I got a lot of amusement out of so there is a website. There's a, a video that was going viral this week, and it, and it originated from a site called Cameo. Uh, Cameo is a website where uh, people can pay celebrities a pretty small fee. I mean, they range from like $20 to like from like an old 80s sitcom star to like, I don't know, 150 to get like Gilbert Godfrey. But basically, you can pay them. You can pay these celebrities and they will they will record a video message for you. Uh, that's that's like two minutes long. Well, uh, a, a woman named Cheyenne decided that it was time to break up with her long distance boyfriend named Braden. right here at the holidays, cold hearted. Uh, I don't know what's going on in the relationship, but you th- would have thought she could at least got through Thanksgiving before the breakup, but she felt like it was time, but she felt like also she didn't want to deliver it herself that this news, this heartbreaking news of their breakup would be better delivered by someone else. And why not pay Mark McGrath, the lead singer of the of the pop band Sugar Ray to deliver the hard news. And a lot of people have been watching this clip of 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 Mark McGrath breaking up with Braden. I want to play a clip because Mark McGrath took a tough scenario. And honestly, I, I left this clip feeling inspired. Chandler, if you don't <laughs> mind clue, queuing up Mark McGrath breaking up with Braden on behalf of Cheyenne.
1: What's up, Braden? It is Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray. Off the charts, but always in your hearts. And this cameo was booked by Cheyenne, and she wants you to know a few things. And this is a little difficult for me to say, because it's the first one of these I've done, but she wants you to know that you mean a lot to her. You mean the world to her. But she's having difficulty staying in this long-distance relationship. You know, it's tough. I've been on the road for years and I've been with my wife a long time. And the the biggest arguments, the biggest, you know, obstacles in our relationships is the distance between us. It makes it very difficult when we're on the road um, and it's hard. So Cheyenne is trying to let you know, Brayden, that. It's very, very tough for her (laughs) to stay in this relationship. She still cares about you a lot. You never know what the future may hold. And she still wants to be friends with you because obviously she cares about you very, very much. And she wants you to know good luck on your thesis coming up. Probably not the best timing Cheyenne when he's doing his thesis, but I understand, you know, you got to work on your thesis and life goes on. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's big things ahead of you in the future, Brayden, but Cheyenne cares about you enough to let you know that she's thinking about you. But the long distance thing is just a little difficult for her. And she wants you to stay positive. She wants you to be friends and she knows that, um, you're a fan of the band Sugar Ray, which I'm honored. I wish I was delivering you good news. Hopefully I can see you backstage, give oh, you a high no. five someday, dude. Oh, we can no. maybe laugh about this sometimes. Hopefully we oh, all oh, can. No. Cheyenne, Braden, all of us. We all can hang out. But uh, she wants to be friends right now, bro. The long-distance thing is a little difficult, but she wishes you nothing but the best. All the love in the world. And do, 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 do. You're best on that thesis, man. I know it's uh, it's tough in the holiday season and um, relationships and all that stuff, man. But you've got big things ahead of you, bro. If you're working on a thesis, you've got a good life in front of you. All right. On behalf of Mark Jeez. McGrath and Cheyenne, we love you, Braden. Be positive, bro.
3: All right. Can, can we can we cue up uh, the song? You're as cold as ice. No kidding. to sacrifice I love. No kidding. Never
0: take advice. <laughs> I have no idea talking. how much Cheyenne paid Mark McGrath for that breakup, but he earned every penny because he could have just been like, "Hey, bro, bad news. Cheyenne wants it over. I know you're busy. No, it's Thanksgiving, dude." He dug in. He's like reading into the details of Rayden's life. He's relating it. I I've been agnostic about the music of Sugar Ray. Like I haven't thought yeah. about Sugar Ray in a long time. Been a long time. I, I, I can't. I honestly don't know the last time I've thought about Mark McGrath as a human being, or if I've ever really considered him as a human being. But I've decided any bad news that I have, I will pay Mark McGrath to deliver it. He was incredible. Oh. Like, what a thought. That was the best breakup I've ever heard. i I'm of two
2: minds about it. Because on the one hand, it's cold. Like that's a that's a that is a low to not to you know to not face to face, to not be able to pull a breakup off face to face, that would hurt. That would stink. But assuming that this is true and that he is. A, a big fan of Sugar Ray, which is uh, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying that's surprising. <laughs> I'm not that saying there aren't you know Sugar Ray fans out there in 2019. <laughs> not, not maybe a, Braden of, yeah, is one of them. Uh, maybe he's 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 the guy. Uh, so that would would that lessen the blow or would I would I feel like you were treating me and now it's everywhere. That that's doubly weird I, that, because
3: that, the, that's that's I, hard. I don't care what nobody say. Ain't nobody that dumb to break up with somebody via their favorite artist like that is just that's cold. She was like sticking a knife in, twisting that joint, pulling it out, sticking <laughs> oh, no. the back in. Like this dude is gonna fail his thesis. Like his thesis is wrecked. It's over. Your 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 the lead singer of your favorite band just <laughs> broke up with you via. <laughs> Oh, you know the worst
0: God. part is too. If he really was a Sugar Ray fan, every time Sugar Ray comes on, he's gonna all he's gonna think yeah. about is heartbreak Flashbacks. and Cheyenne. Flashbacks. Like he Cheyenne bro, ruined Cheyenne, Sugar hey, Ray for
2: him.
3: Hey, you know, Cheyenne ain't loyal, bro.
2: Derek, you've Derek, you're a guy. You've got a lot of fans out there. How much? What, what if a if a woman came to you and said, Derek, my boyfriend is a big fan of yours. I'm not feeling the relationship. How much money would it take for you to say, All right, I can do a video. I can do this video.
3: Hey man, look. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be totally honest with you, my guy, bro, I might do it just for fifty dollars, depending on what I'm trying to get yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, if I'm trying to go to Longhorn Steakhouse and give me a little, you know what I'm saying? Turn up, man. Hey. Fifty dollars to get it done. i'll at me if you want me to break up with your boyfriend for you. I'm <laughs> no, just putting right. that out for you. If you don't boy. know how to deliver this message,
0: <laughs> listen, I we, think Derek and, can do it for you. Me and Tyler did a deep dive on this on this website cameo where you can hire celebrities. Fifty dollars is actually pretty reasonable. Like you can you know, I could get Melissa Joan Hart from Callissa Explains It All to, you know, quit my job for me for around that price. So I think <laughs> I think fifty dollars is very reasonable. Fifty
3: dollars, bro. Derek Miner got you bro I'm telling you Whenever you want to quit relevant, just holla at me, bro. I got you. I'm going to be like, hey, Uh, he out. (laughs) My guy guy is done.
0: (laughs) I just just sent a resignation email and I said, please watch this video. And then Derek, it's you sitting very solemnly and it's like, listen, we had a good run. Uh, He's got other opportunities. It's time to explore, you know? He will appreciate a good recommendation. Uh, From from the future Uh, employer,
3: not the good recommendation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll and then just for good measure, I'll get Gilbert Godfrey to to
2: record one for me too. Uh, uh, Yes, this is
3: amazing.
2: (laughs) That the slides I brought this week is also a uh, it, it's another it's another shift it's another it's, we're doing another U-turn here so we're just, just buckle up uh, but this is a story that we, we've we covered a few times in, and it feels like it's finally uh, actually has sort of a happy ending um, so do you guys follow the, the story of this guy Scott Warren down in Arizona who's a volunteer uh, uh, undocumented immigrant uh, he, he assists undocumented immigrants when they cross the border he works for this organization out there called No More Deaths and they just uh, they, they put food Food and water in the desert there along the southern borders for people who come up from Mexico, making that very dangerous trek through the desert there. They, they put little uh, spots along the way to make sure people are getting are getting water and getting fed. And then on this side of the border, uh, they even have some, some temporary housing shut up, set up for people who need uh, uh, they, they need some medicine. They need, they need uh, any sort of medical treatment. They need directions to get somewhere. They've got a few spots that are sort of off the grid that these people can go to. So, obviously, saving lives, uh, doing good work for people coming in, uh, and also uh, legally sort of precarious. So, this guy, Scott Warren, works for this organization, uh, and he was arrested Uh, earlier this year by some border patrol agents who saw him providing assistance to, to undocumented immigrants who came across the border from Central America. And uh, he gave them some direction, some, some medical attention and gave them some directions on, on where to go from that stop there. He was arrested for that because that's uh, according to the border patrol, that's aiding and abetting an illegal activity uh, across the border. And uh, he was facing up to 10 years in jail for doing this. Uh, and then there was a mistrial earlier this year. The the fir- his first time he went to court, the uh, jury was unable to reach a decision. So the judge declared that a mistrial. And then this week, Scott Warren was found not guilty. Uh so he's what so he is a free man. Uh the lawyers in the case that was consulted for this Daily Beast article about it said that they believed probably the thing that really swayed the jury and, and, and the law in this case was the fact that this was an expression of his faith. Uh, this was in. in uh, he was. This was pitched as a religious freedom issue, since his religion. Uh, he he's a Christian. Tells him that to help immigrants, to help strangers in in this land, uh, saying that the, he can't do that would be a violation of his religious freedom. That's something I've thought about. I've wondered if that was going to become an issue with this immigration crackdown. If. Uh, if the 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 command, the biblical teaching about how to help immigrants would become a bigger part of this story, it took almost uh, the first full term of the administration for it to become one. But I, I wonder what you guys—I I don't know if you followed that—but that based on that summary of the case there, uh, that he's walking free now. I'm wondering sort of what your thoughts are about about how all that played out.
3: I don't know. It's just so crazy how how multiple people can read the same book and get totally different outcomes from it. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy says his faith inspired him to do this, even at the cost of his freedom. And then there's the other people that's like, "Well, my faith tells me to build a wall and y'all stay out." You know what I mean? It's it's a uh, I guess you know. It, and I'm not saying who's right or wrong. Like that's none of my business. That's that's between them and the, and, the, and the man upstairs. But it's just crazy to me. That's just one of the ones I'm like, wow. Like, you yeah. can read the same book and have totally different philosophies from that book. I think that's something that we should all be uh, we should all be thinking about. That's crazy though. I'm, I'm glad he got off though. You know, yeah. I'm me glad he got off because I mean, sure. I, don't, I don't see how giving people water so they don't die is yes. aiding <laughs> in <the> belly. <laughs> <and> a bedding. <laughs> in But you, you know, know what
0: would have. It would have really, I feel like, made this whole situation better. Is if it, you know, during the legal proceedings, when the when the jury came to the decision that uh, this individual is not guilty, which I think too is is the right decision here. If Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray would have come out and read the decision, listen, United States Border Patrol, listen, bros. I know you're trying to enforce a law down there, but these people are dying in the desert. My man over here is just helping him. He's not guilty. So we'll all go high five behind the backstage of Sugar Ray and we'll work this thing out. All right. Peace out, bros. Like, let's just have Mark McGrath deliver <laughs> complicated <laughs> legal decisions. And
3: I think, I think, please, I think, you know, Please let's do that. Hey, look, Let's put, bro. Let's put, let's put, I don't know how much Mark McGrath's joint is. Let's just split it up. And the threes, like I put 50 on it, you put 50 on it, Tyler put 50 on it, somebody else put 50 on it, we got to see Mark do that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, or just make a new law, a new, a new amendment to the Constitution to make Mark McGrath a, an all-time juror. Kind of like the all-time QB when you're playing football as a kid. Just whatever the jury is, whatever the case is, Mark McGrath is always on w- that jury. Because he is a fair-minded, reasonable,
0: <laughs> clearly thoughtful, yes. seizing from all sides. So he's just on the case. Listen, I would watch a judge show. Where Mark looked like a judge Judy, but it's Mark, judge Mark McGrath. And he's like, listen, bro, this is a tough one right here, but I'll tell you what Cheyenne. Like, I would listen. It'd be it'd be must see TV. He would come out there with those frosted tips and those kind eyes and just deliver, just deliver warm-hearted, fair-minded justice. I I I, I would watch that show.
2: Even for really appalling cases like this the jury has found you guilty. Of murdering so many people, so many individuals, but I, I'm sure you had your reason. You are going to jail uh, for uh, forever, but 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 you know what? Well, I, hope listen, it's a, yeah, I hope it's a. Re- 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 I hope you learn a lot there. Hope you get rehabilitated. Hey, I agree. That's Mark McGrath out
3: here uh, like <laughs> Dr. Phil, Judge Judy mix. <laughs> he's got my
0: vote and he sure. obviously i think his services are reasonably affordable so I'm
2: clearly willing to do it on the cheap well that'll do it for slices we're taking a quick break and when we come back kelvin harrison jr joins us light, could see my you're listening to how simple i hop along Kelvin Harrison Jr. is an actor who has starred in films including It Comes at Night and Mudbound and currently stars in the lead role of Tyler in the new breakout film Waves. The film about a family struggling with faith and unity in the midst of tragedy has already garnered rave reviews and early buzz. As an Oscar favorite, I got to talk to Kelvin and the director as well here, Trey, uh, about the the making of this movie. Really, really interesting, very uh, uh, rewarding, uh, rich movie that is uh, very difficult to watch at times, but but delivers on an extremely profound uh, moment of forgiveness. And redemption. I wanted to talk to Calvin about what it was that drew him to uh, this part. It's a very, it's a complicated role. It's not a, it's it's a demanding, very difficult role, as he was very open about. And I wanted to ask him what really uh, drew him to the part in the first place.
4: It was the the the, the tragedy in the film. You know, it was the is the the big risky moment that everyone kind of you know beat over our heads before we started this movie and i was i was like if if this is such a, a scare if this is such a fear of what this looks like for this young black kid to go through this journey then i'm excited to demystify and like dismantle that theory i was like this kid is just like he can be flawed he can be contradictory he can be problematic he can be all the things that everyone else in the world is and it doesn't necessarily turn him into it doesn't you can't label him because of it he's just a boy and so the idea of like taking on that challenge and trusting and, and, and going through this journey with Trey, which was so, so, so built off of trust and, 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 uh, a love for each other that we saw these parallels between our two lives made me, made me even more excited to kind of, to, 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 to kind of stop letting people believe that, you know, white and black are so different. We're just, everybody's a human being and we're just doing the best we can every day to survive.
0: That's interesting to hear, you know, from... There's a lot of, I feel like, roles, especially like during Oscar season, where the the line between like good and bad is pretty clear. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of the a lot of the performances and films that get recognized have like a clear protagonist who is working against kind of difficult forces. But what's interesting about this film, and particularly Kelvin's character, is he is conflicted. He 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 goes mm-hmm. through a lot and, and uh he's a flawed individual, but someone you still have empathy for. And I mean that's what makes I feel like the performance so powerful.
2: Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, uh, I wanted to ask him a little bit about the, as you you heard him say at the end there, he was interested to, to tell a story that was sort of universal. Uh, this is a story about a black family uh, written and directed by a, by a white filmmaker. And I wondered what what sort of differences or similarities are there? Uh, this was Trey, uh, the director, and Kelvin who we're talking to here were very collaborative on this. And I wondered about where their stories they felt were very similar based on their upbringings and where they were sort of different because of just the racial realities of living in the U.S. Here's what Kelvin said.
4: I think it just comes into the, the 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 stakes. The stakes are high. I mean, I'm talking like like active terms, but like I just feel like when you when you think about the history of what Ronald has seen as a father and how he views the world in a time where he didn't live with the amount of privilege that Tyler has, or the progression, or or the opportunities that Tyler has on the table for him, he sees. He sees America differently, so he's going to raise his son differently, and he's going to raise his son with a fear that will be different from the way Trey's dad, or, you know, or for, say, my dad versus Trey's dad, will see the world. I, so in in that context, it's always this protection, um, and um, protection that, that's more than just, I guess, what a parent would do, but more so to protect his Black son in, in a world where you know he could be at the wrong place wrong time, and everything changes for him just because we keep seeing it time and time again in the news so I just yeah, statistically historically the the stakes are a bit higher, but the intention is still the same, so I think that's why we were able to combine these stories and make them make sense because at the root of it, it is about love and it is about too much love, and it is about you know. Uh, a miscommunication in a lot of ways and the generational differences between us. But I think for the black family it is, but also to add on to that, is my son gonna be, you know, lose his life or, or is something bad gonna happen to him because he's black? And that's that fear we go through every scene with Tyler just wondering like could anything bad ever happen, you know?
2: The, uh, the movie and I, I won't give delivery spoilers here. And I would really encourage people to, to, uh, not read anything about this movie before they go see it. Yeah. Because, uh, the, the less, you know, about it going in, I would say the, the, better. Uh, but there is a scene early on in which Tyler and the rest of his family, including his father, played by Sterling K. Brown from uh, This Is Us, uh, go to church, and, uh, and there's a, a very powerful sermon about love and forgiveness being delivered, and Tyler has fallen asleep through it. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's drifting off. As this movie goes on, those themes that were being preached on become much more resonant in his life for some very traumatic reasons. And I was curious about his experience of playing somebody who Heard something that that a lot of us hear about the importance of love and, and the love of God and how they became a real thing for his character. And I th- I found his answer very insightful.
4: I think um I think it, I don't know if it was a, I wouldn't say a aversion, but I definitely think that there's that moment where real, faith was always a part of Todd's experience. And I think you know his family really ingrained that into him, and he believes it. He believes in God. He believes in forgiveness. He believes in and 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 hope. And I think with this kid, it's like when, when you get to this, this point towards the end of the film, he's you have to live through certain things in order to appreciate everything else. And I think now that he's gone through something, he can kind of really see it because at the end of the day, it's like, who does he have left in that moment and when he's by himself day after day trying to survive? what he was taught was, well then talk to God, come to God and, and guess what? He will be there for you. And I think for that, that boy is is, is is he's understanding and appreciating love again. He's understanding and appreciating family again. And he's in a, a desperate need to be forgiven himself. He has, for himself and for his family. So he's in a he's in a, a moment where he's trying to, to, to regain um, a sense of a sense of a sense of peace in his life where he feels like he deserves to be, to to, to live, you know?
2: So super cool conversation. Yeah. I'm looking forward to sharing more of it and to share more of our conversation with the director who had some really great thoughts about that as well. Would encourage people to go check out waves. I do think you'll be hearing about it. I, I get to, get to watch a lot of movies for, for this show, for, for the podcast and working for relevant, but, and, and I I enjoy a lot of them, but this one did have a pretty profound impact on me. And I, I uh, think that it would for you as well. We're take a cook break. When we come back, Best of the Decade Derek of snakes, surface i brand new
1: skills, I a new face, I'm a and the They think the I don't thank you, do for, for millions. I'm pretty still, look at my deal, rich look at my ears, flooded with diamonds, look at my skills, running through blocks like 49 That's 49 diamonds, Stuff from my racers. that a while. that a and it ain't new, I haven't known
2: you're listening to In My Room. It's by Frank Ocean. Well, uh, guys, we're coming up on the end of the decade where we're about a month out from from putting the 2010s behind us for good and, and good riddance, I would say. Uh, <laughs> we are on this pod over the next couple of weeks. We do want to hear from our listeners. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of the best of favorite movies, music. TV, books, podcasts, whatever. The the thing, the 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 entertainment release that really made your last decade that, that stuck with you for the entire decade. Uh, we want to talk about those. We're going to discuss them here on the show. To start us all off, Derek, we want to hear a little bit from you about the 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 movies, the music, uh, the T V shows, the books that have stuck with you from two thousand ten to now. Do you have anything does anything jump to the top of mind from there?
3: I think I probably would go with one release that really was big for me was uh pretty much every Kendrick album. Good kid, oh, yeah. Mad City, oh, yeah. Butterfly, and Damn. all three of those. I think I think I don't I don't think uh Section eighty came out in two thousand ten. I think it came out a little bit before, but I think yeah, Good Kid, Matt Seeds, Pimble Butterfly, and Down. Like his whole catalog, just Kendrick in general. Let's just yeah. make him.
2: Do you think he's the, the artist of the decade? Because I think you could make the case that he was the artist of the decade.
3: Uh, I don't think you. I don't think you give him artist of the decade. Oh, really? I think he's. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's brilliant. But I think you can't give him artist of the decade because I think you also got to in, include cultural impact and all that. And uh, and as Kendrick. For me, is one of the dopest artists, but I think you gotta get you could you would have to either give that to Kanye or Drake. I think mm. um, just because the Drake's impact. I mean, he's literally now some people would say that he rides waves, but Drake specifically, like I mean, he's literally changed the sound of music and rap. Like almost every time he drops something, yeah, like that's true. from from the hashtag flow to the sing songy raps to to the the R going to the B vibe like he changes like literally like people were rapping like him and people yeah. rap like yeah. Kendrick but it wasn't on a level of 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 Drake like it was just Drake the Drake bitery of 2010s were crazy. So I, I think I'd have to give it to Drake. But if you talk about who's my favorite artist of the decade it's probably Kendrick. For sure.
0: The, the the interesting thing about Drake, too, is like, I feel like he changed the way, like, not music is like marketed, but like music is consumed to a degree. Like, Absolutely. he kind of leaned into Absolutely. like meme culture, you know, like Drake yes. wasn't afraid to be, you know, like he had a degree of self-awareness that transcended his place as like a music star where he was sort of like also... You know, memeified frequently, or yes. you know, mm-hmm. when you see him like courtside at a at a Raptors game in the playoffs, it's like even if you have no opinion of him as an artist, him as a persona, it, it was such a powerful force culturally. Like even when he hosted SNL, like it was like a cultural moment. You know,
3: absolutely, yeah. So I, I think that's why I would have to give him that, but it's not necessarily because, and like it's all relative. So if we're talking about yeah. who's my favorite artist of the decade, it would be Kendrick uh, and Kanye. Like, Kanye, Kanye's is, uh, he's my favorite artist. Like, that's just no, no hands down. Mm-hmm. But, um, I would say Kendrick would be my my favorite of the, the this next wave, I guess, what J. Cole would call the middle children. Like, they're like, they're not, they're too young to be mumble, they're too old to be mumble rappers, but they're not old enough to be in the, the Kanye, Jay-Z level. Yeah, like, they're like yeah, the middle yeah. children. Like, so, yeah. Uh, Kendrick's my favorite out of that I think Drake you have to give it to him man the guy knows how to make hits yeah. but he knows oh, yeah. how to shift culture and that is that is I mean that's the only person I've seen be able to do that is Kanye or Jay-Z uh, those are the two that I'm like they it's almost like Kanye shifts culture at will and yeah. I think Drake kind of has semblances of that in the way he moves
2: Um, we're going to be coming back to doing more decade stuff, uh, and over the next couple of weeks here as we wrap up the decade. So, uh, I do hope y'all hit us with some of your opinions over there, out there on, on Twitter and Facebook. You can let us know what you think. Um, and I think that is going to wrap it up for us this week, Derek, man, thanks for making it work, dude. I know it's a busy time of year. I appreciate you sitting down with us and talking to us and, and give us your opinion on so much stuff. Thanks a lot.
3: Oh man, you know I love y'all, man. Y'all are, this is one of the most fun times a year for me. So, Hit me up whenever. It's love. We'll, we'll Absolutely, it man. And we'll see for if sure. we'll see
0: if we can get you. And I'm willing to pay Mark McGrath to come on too next time, and <laughs> whatever, maybe whatever, deliver some forward. hard
3: news to some friends out there. For us. so, hey uh, man, I, hey, listen, I'm gonna tell you now. Whenever I uh, well, I don't. I work for myself, so I can't quit my job. I need to find a way I can use Mark McGrath. Like, if I, like, maybe maybe if I'm not gonna show up to like a concert or something, I'll be like, hey guys. This is uh, Mark McGrath. Tell him I'm not coming, and he'll be like, Hey, guys, Derek just didn't feel it today.
0: I (laughs) want (laughs) to do it. I I want Mark McGrath to deliver some tough medical news. Like, Hey, listen, I know.
3: Oh, my (laughs) gosh.
0: I I know you've been fearing the worst, but I got to tell you, he's going to lose the finger. The accident was just too bad. That finger's gone. But listen, bro, he's a tough guy. He's going to bounce back. This is Mark McGrath. I'm sorry about your finger. It's going to be amputated. All right, peace and love. Love Mark McGrath out. Like it would, it would really soften a blow for a tough medical situation. <laughs> well,
2: uh, if you listen to this and you do need to listen to Derek's new album they did with with our friend Prop, nothing but a word is available now. Also, hey, thanks to Kelvin Harrison Jr. for joining us. His movie Waves. I got a chance to see it. It's a really, really terrific movie. You'll be hearing a lot about it as award season gets going here. Make sure you check that out when you get an opportunity. And also Make sure you listen to Relevant Daily. That's the podcast where we deliver the top five stories of the day at the intersection of faith and culture. Uh, You can subscribe to that and make sure you you keep up on all the news. And uh, this is going to be a little podcast for us this week with the holidays. So I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving and we will see you all uh, next week. I'm Tyler. I'm Chandler String. I'm Jesse. I'm Derek Miner. Peace. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
0: But listen, bro, he's a tough guy. He's going to bounce back. This is Mark McGrath. I'm sorry about your finger. It's going to be amputated.
4: Relevant podcast network.